Mr. Pop. To stay healthy, stay well, and stay out of jail. Oh, that's crap. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix, and Mark Fine. Hello and welcome to Rock and Roll. My name's Kevin Hillier, not mucking around today, straight into it. Uh, Brian Mannix, hello, Brian. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Mark Fine. Hello, Kevin. Now, it's, hello, a, it's a post grand. Yeah, well, you two should say hello to each other. I did. I said hello, Mark. Yeah. Well, hello, Brian. Well, hello to you. Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah. The AVO hasn't, uh, <laughs> hasn't kicked in yet. Um, now we're going to talk grand final, post grand final. Uh, I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm, I'm uh, obviously, I'm, well, yeah, I'm a little bit upset, but I'm not devastated by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, there was the better team on the night, won and won really, really easily in the end. But uh, interesting times, Mister Mannix. How did you spend grand final day? Um, in front of the TV, um, Kev, and look, um, I reckon it was. It was a pretty good game up until halfway through the third quarter. Um, I thought the dogs did quite well. I thought it could go either way. Um, and I'm delighted for Melbourne and for Melbourne fans that they um, they finally got the hoot monkey off their back. And I was surprised at how many Melbourne supporters and Bulldog supporters there were in Perth. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. And uh, the television people got it wrong. What happened was there was an enormous amount – uh, if you've got a certain membership uh, level with your club, you get uh, access to grand final tickets, clearly, regardless of where the grand final is being played, because I got access to grand final tickets. So you, uh, a lot of Bulldog supporters, and I know Melbourne supporters did the same thing, they gave their barcode to people in Perth who could actually go to the game. So um, uh, ex-players and stuff were jumping on social media and asking people, if you've got a barcode, Send it over, and I'll go and buy myself a grand final ticket, and I'll take ten bulldogs people there. So that's that's why there was a, a I think, a huge contingent of um, of actual people who who followed the clubs there on the day. Well, it made it made it good. I thought I thought you know there'd be just a, a bunch of onlookers. Actually, I thought it was a pretty good uh, spectacle from the point of view of that sta- that stadium looks magnificent. I don't know. Have you have you been there, Finey? No, I haven't been to the new one, but. It does look great. I think most most sort of stadiums at night look good from the drone. You know, it's a good angle. And, yeah. But they, it does look beautiful. I mean, what, what did you make of the – we'll talk about the game later, but what did you make of the entertainment? Well, I was going to ask Mr Mannix if he sat through the entertainment at the beginning. Brian? Wow. <laughs> Here we go. I, was, I had Channel 9 on and I was watching the news because I didn't think it started for another half an hour or something. And then suddenly they're showing me highlights of the entertainment. I went, what the hell am I doing? So I quickly flicked it over to seven and only really caught the last little bit of it. But from what I saw, it seemed okay, but I, I'm really not the person to judge because I was watching Lavinia do the weather rather than watching the grand final. Well, and I'm in the same boat as you. I was Sarah and I were sitting in the, in the lounge room eating and kind of getting ready for the grand final because I got home from, from work. And uh, we had it on Fox and then went, oh, we're missing the entertainment because Fox don't have it. it uh, we flipped it over and caught the big uh, the big last song. So did you see most of it, Finey? No, no, I was um, picking up the pieces after that devastating loss suffered by Melbourne Storm. Oh, and God. Had a yeah. So I caught the half-time entertainment, bird droppings at Tokyo. Now, <laughs> these, 
<laughs> These birds of Tokyo, I'd rather listen to blokes from Tokemore. <laughs> God, they're, God, they're uninspiring. Uh, they've had a couple of really big hits, birds from Tokyo, haven't they? I, the, the names of which I can't remember off the top of my yeah, head. Um, Indestructible yeah. or something. There'll be some songs we'll discuss over the next couple of weeks, top ten songs of all time. They're just not suitable for half-time and grand final. Yeah, yeah, it does need to be something special. I'm not quite sure what is what is the right one. Uh, I didn't say – I saw a really funny thing about um, the reporting on the entertainment for this one was how um, how absolutely 50% of people are saying, oh, it was great, it's the best thing I've ever seen, showed, uh, showed what we can do and uh, we don't need overseas acts, just local acts. And then the other 50% were saying, made meatloaf look good. Oh, gee, that's a big yeah, statement. Well, yeah, I thought the same thing, but there was there were, it, was, it polarised uh, opinion. There was no middle ground of, oh, it was okay, take it or leave it. I didn't see hardly any of those kind of – I know social media is not a uh, an area for fence-sitting, uh, but, uh, yeah, there seemed to be a whole lot of people who thought it was terrific and a whole lot of people who thought it was bloody awful. Mm. Yeah. The second group for the half-time entertainment. I heard the pre-game was better. Yeah. Yes, uh, with uh, now, uh, yeah, now birds of Tokyo weren't in the pregame, were they? They were the halftime one. So uh, interesting. Yeah, that's right. Um, for me, the best the best thing I saw all day was at the end of it when uh, and it was probably about an hour and an hour or so after the game finished, maybe might have even been longer. Was the photo of Neil Danaher standing in front of his telly with that magnificent smile of his, grinning, and in, on his on the telly behind him was the Melbourne players on the podium. That to me made. Any semblance of uh, of kind of uh, regret I had about the doggies losing, I looked at that photo and went, "Nah, that's okay. You can live with that." Yeah, yeah. No, it's great for Neil Danaher. Yeah, and um, and all the long-suffering Melbourne supporters that you know, crikey, actually never have seen your team win a grand final in your lifetime. Shut up, Ron. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for a, a 1966 uh, flashback moment to, to happen. So, so now, I guess finally, what did happen on Saturday night, from your point of view, is that you now do hold the uh, your club holds the, the the current record for longest drought. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a statistic. It really doesn't affect the club. It doesn't affect the chances of the club. It doesn't affect the supporters. It's not like I would bring up a Melbourne. Supporter every week and say, "Don't laugh at us. You're worse." <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's just a it's, a it's a fact. That's okay. Maybe it, it becomes a bit more of a driving force. I'll say this: those demon fans, as much as they would say, "Oh, what a absolute! How did that happen?" That you know, it was in Perth during this COVID and we couldn't go for many of them. I think they should count that as a blessing that it was in Perth. Yep. Not easy to survive the pressure of that long drought here in Melbourne with all the attention that they would have got Melbourne. And also that when they were 19 quarters down the third quarter, their supporters, you know, that negative energy, that that carries in a game of football, I'm telling you. And, you know, their supporters would have been thinking the worst having gone through so little joy over the last 57 years. So I think it played played out well for them. Yep. That even though it was a final series, it probably felt less like one in Perth for them. Yep, yep. Uh, would you like to see the grand final played at different venues to the MCG or should it come back to the MCG and never move again unless a global pandemic or something like that happens ever again? 
you know, again, we had this discussion with Rowan on footyology, and unfortunately, it's a waste of discussion because the MCG is locked in until 2057. Yep. Uh, this just added a few more years. I'll be dead by then. So I'm arguing over something that can't happen. Yeah, it's fairer if it moves around and it works and et cetera, et cetera. But it's not happening. And we'll quickly readjust to how magnificent a ground the MCG is for football when it's full and rocking. So I've got no problem. And also I live. 300 metres away. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, it is uh, the, uh, I guess it's the, it's the heartbeat of, uh, of, of AFL football is the MCG, whereas if you look at other, uh, and I guess for, for many years, um, Wembley was the heartbeat of the FA Cup and that was that was why it was played there. In America, it's different. The, the NFL over there is, there is no actual heartbeat. The teams change yeah. locations every five seconds. So to actually franchise it out and sell it off to, whether it's Tampa Bay or whether it's, you know, LA or San Diego or wherever you play it, it yep. doesn't mean anywhere near as much. No, but their college football does. Mm. With their Rose Bowls and their, you know, they've got some yeah. enormous 100,000 attended games that are at the same venues every year. And yep. for many Americans, college football is bigger than the NFL. Well, college football's got that, uh, that, uh, that, that kind of suburban pool that that uh, the, it's the nearest thing they have to a suburban pool uh, with with the uh, team allegiance whereas uh, yeah. their, their major franchises in in basketball I mean God knows you know the LA Lakers were used to be the Boston Lakers and the the San Diego Chargers used to be the, they're now the LA Chargers and the Oakland Raiders used to be it's just I, ridiculous I mean the best the best is Utah Jazz because that used to be the New Orleans Jazz and of course Utah is known for their wonderful music scene. <laughs> they, they should be called. They should be called the um, the Utah. What's it called? The have more than one wife. Uh, polygamy. Norman. Yeah, the, the Utah polygamists. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, one, one thing about one thing about the college football over there, because uh, I've seen just clips from about four or five games that have played recently, and the entire crowd is just screaming out. F Joe Biden, F Joe Biden, <laughs> oh, really? F Joe Biden. Oh, it's, it's taking off hugely in America. But all of the college football, you got forty thousand people all yelling that. Oh, God, it's hilarious. Oh, you saw you heard the clip. I thought they were yelling out, "Wake up, Joe Biden!" <laughs> no, 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 no. What's it wake up? What should be, but yeah. <laughs> oh, very funny though. Watching forty thousand people all condemn one person. Uh, anyway. co- well, college football's got that uh, that unbelievable uh, kind of mass hysteria that goes with it, no matter what uh, you know what their their take on oh, whether yeah. it's pretty good. It's 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 amazing. It's it's staggering to watch that. Well, I mean, if you go to a college, you are absolutely emotionally wedded to that place the rest of your life, oh, and, yeah. and not surprisingly, you know, it's an amazing system. I, it, it works for them, but imagine you just lived at home all your life till you graduate from school, and then you leave your home, you leave your state, and you get placed in these wonderful facilities if you make it to college with equally horny, same-age students. <laughs> it's, you know, it's sort of, you get a, you get a, a master's degree in gangbangery as well as what you study. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, uh... oh, it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, unless you go to a Christian college, it's, it, it, it's the time when they sow their, you know, when they, what's it called? I don't know, not sow their, sow oats, their the wild oats. Thing. Yes, that is the expression. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, you know, 
you get a PhD and, in oral sex. Well, I, I've that, that, all... <laughs> that Americans always say, I dabbled in college. Yes. For everything. Yes. Well, the, the funny thing is when you watch those television shows where they're high school kids and they're, you know, the high school quarterback is coming out of and, and uh, choosing what college he's going to, they're, they're drinking, they're driving, they're having sex, they're doing, they're, they're doing what 30-year-olds wish they were doing and they're 17-year-olds. You're going, how does that work? Yeah, I knew we should have moved there when we were younger. Yeah. come back. <laughs> no problem. Because, yeah. you know, yeah, you would have been quarterback. Brian would have been the running back. Yep. Um, I would have been on my back. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Brian's, Brian's got a bit of Jerry Rice about him, I reckon. Bit of a uh, bit of that kind of Jerry Rice type uh, wide receiver. Yeah, right. Fuck. Well, you know, you, you, you heard about you heard about the prison in, uh, football team, didn't you, in America? Uh, no, no, but I think I'm about to. Well, they had a number of players starting in tight end but ending up as wide receiver. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, yes, the, the, uh, the grand final, what uh, uh, what would you say to a Bulldog supporter like myself, Finey, after, after that? The 74-point margin in the end, it was almost irrelevant. It was unbelievable. I've never seen a game like it, little over a final or a grand final. Kevin, 19 points up, 15 minutes in the third quarter, but really controlling the game. And Melbourne had only kicked one goal in almost two quarters. Yep. They've lost the handle on how to get the ball forward. It, it looked like you had them in a pinfer hold, had them trapped, and were basically, you know, playing at the script. Your, your midfield. At that point, Petrarca had faded out, hadn't had a great start in the third quarter. It looked like the numbers in the doggies' midfield were getting it done. English was going okay. Jackie was going all right at that stage. It was everything was going to plan. And bang, bang, Fritch. But then this amazing thing happened where you were a goal down with a minute 10 to go in the third quarter. Bond and Pelly had the ball from a mark about 80 metres out. Now, every supporter, Bulldog supporter, would have not hoped, would have thought, here's a chance to go in level at three-quarter time and, and just, you know, stop the flow and let's have a big last quarter. Yep. You would have been, as a Bulldog supporter or a coach beverage, very upset when they kicked a goal. But the fact they kicked three goals in that minute yep. was, that was a, you know what it was? It was like three-quarter time was the bell ringing for a boxer in a title bout who would have gone out for the 10 count except for the bell. Yep. And you know when that happens in big fights, Kev, they get to their corner, but when they come back out for the, for the next round, they're cannon fodder. Yep. Punching bag material. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, they, they hit the whooshka button and uh, and went whooshka, and, uh, and I'll admit I haven't seen anything like it. And it was – I wasn't upset. I was more – I reckon I was more in shock than I was in actual uh, sort of in terms of – being angry or anything, it was like, how'd that happen? How'd that happen? I mean, when they when they started kicking goals every ten seconds, Devry should have, you know, who was your who was your sub, um, Vandermeer? He should have yep. gotten to take his clothes off and streak or something. <laughs> I mean, 
Anything. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, that. It was. It was. Strip quite... down to play, and I mean strip down all the way to nothing. Yeah. We need to stop this one. On. Yes. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, it was quite uh, quite unbelievable. The, the the better team won on the day on the night, uh, and uh, they uh, they did it emphatically. So good luck to them. Um, the the after match presentation, as always, uh, uh, this time m- uh, the controversy surrounds the fact that Basil forgot to let Simon Goodwin speak, or Simon Goodwin forgot to take the opportunity when he got the Jock McHale medal to walk over and say a few words. Yeah, yeah, that was no good. I they, they should have. I know he's dead, but wouldn't it have been great if Alan Bond would have presented the Noel Smith medal to Christian Polacco? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, would have been good. <laughs> would have been interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought. I thought. Uh, the, the, apart from that, you know, slip that uh, pretty much went uh, it went well. It's now done and dusted, and hopefully, hopefully, the MCG will host the twenty twenty two grand final. Yeah, yeah. After that, you know what should have been said to WA in Perth. He staged it really well, and it was a great. It was a great spectacle. Somebody should have said to them, well done, you're never having that again. Yes. <laughs> well, it's funny. I spoke to Dennis Kometi from a radio show before the, uh, Dennis the Grand Committee. Yes, Brian. Dennis Kometi. Should have been the perfect. <laughs> and he, uh, he made a really big point of saying, we've got this once and that's the only time we're getting it. So the, the football realists over there understood that, but I think there's yeah. probably some people who think, oh, we did such a good job. Why don't we do it every year? Yeah, well, that's they want interesting with the WA team, isn't it? They want the Boxing Day test now. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Hey, the rate we're no, going. they do. Well, the they rate, put their hand up. The rate we're going, they might get it. Um, well, warning's not okay, happening. They're not getting it. You know what they can have? They can have Brian Taylor. <laughs> they have Brian Taylor. Yeah, they can have him back. Uh, oh, yeah, all right. Please. Please, I'm sorry. I I really struggled, and I wasn't the only one in my household who really struggled with the uh, the commentary. Um, and it started early when uh, we were told that the Bulldogs owned the ball for the first minute of the game. I thought, oh God, if we're <laughs> gonna if we're gonna be like this, then there was um, the game was falling out of Melbourne's grasp when the Bulldogs kicked their second goal. I thought that was yeah. maybe an over exaggeration of what might happen, and then there's this. There seems to be this thing where every moment of the game has to be some kind of almost cliffhanger type um, soap opera um, moment that they that they commentate, as opposed to shut up and let us watch the game. You know, one of the worst is Daisy. Oh, she just says, yeah. she just says the bloody obvious. Um, oh, no insight well, at all. She's good sometimes. Oh, I, I, I must admit that because she sort of said things he, like, "They oh, really need a goal now." Oh, oh, God, I've got to stand up for her here, Brian. I, okay, she's she's better than that. I mean, she made some real observations in the game. Yep. I mean, she stuck her neck out and she said, "Stephen May's not right. He's injured." Now it turned out he'd done his hamstring. He was the only person who said that and observed it, and it was at a time when Melbourne was starting to flounder. She picked up on it. She said it. No one else picked up on well, it. Well, she's right down there near the bench, so you reckon she should pick it up. Um, no, know, no, she's no. Not, she's, she's not upstairs. She's not, no, Abby Holmes was. Yeah, no, Abby Holmes was yeah. on the bench. The only, the, I'll just, the only thing I'd say is, uh, sorry, can someone please take uh, Abby and Daisy and a, a whole lot of them and give them a, a little bit of... Um, 
a voice uh, training of some description. The the whiny. Yeah. Oh, and he's on the bench now. And he's going to come out. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That just it it. Uh, by the time we got to about halfway through the second quarter, I was ready to punch the television set because the noise was annoying me. Um, well, can you listen to can you on that score? It's not easy to listen to Kelly Underwood, who's a great uh, yeah. she's a great sports journalist. But yep. you know that Aussie, yeah, you know, she tried to work on it, and you know, well, I know that Kelly's been doing the hard yards and a genuine sports journalist. 20 years. Oh, yeah, I know Kelly from uh, her Geelong days when I was doing some stuff in Geelong in the mid-90s. Um, but she does She does sound like, um, you know, she just fell out of bed in Ipswich or Caboolture or something. <laughs> Thank you for bringing up two places I've, I grew up in and my part of my family currently lives in. Uh, and, but, but they do sound like that. <laughs> no, just a little tiny weeny bit of voice training where you open your mouth and, you, and it means you don't sound like you don't need to go, 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 go. And voice training works because Matthew Ward was terrible when he started, oh. but he got voice training. Look, and and I know one of the blokes who trained him. And let me tell you, I'm not just picking on the, the, the female voices too. There's a fair few male voices that are very annoying and, and need some work as well. Um, it wouldn't take. It doesn't take very much. Just if you can fix them in, you know, two two quick voice sessions, and you have got them sounding a lot better. Uh, uh, that's the other thing. The um, the 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 Bulldogs probably. I know the tyranny of being in Perth probably has not made it such a big headline here. But gee, the news cycle on the grand final doesn't last very long. No, it doesn't. Doesn't. We're already talking Straight about who, who Essendon is recruiting. Yeah, we're all, already talking about Mason Cox going to Essendon and Pat Lipinski going to Collingwood and. Uh, uh, the the news cycle for the grand final has been they're not even back in the state and we've stopped almost stopped talking about it. Yeah, so ooh, gee, I don't know what Mason Cox at Essendon. <laughs> nah, nah, right. Uh, I think we already got a Cox, and I like the Cox we've got. Right. Yeah, hey, hey, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Nobody would be surprised to hear if he went there that there's more than one Cox at Essendon. Yeah. But you've got a few of them there. I've always thought that. Oh, thought it. My whole family <laughs> for it. Yes. I've always I've always oh, assumed that. Hey Brian, oh, hey Brian, I've got a I've got a serious question for you. Good, I've got a serious answer for you. Good. They're doing the um the Dancing with the Stars uh all star version mark three. Yeah. And you're not on it. No. What happened? Well I'm going well, I'm going so dusty for money that I had to be two of the masked singers, and I just don't have time. Oh, okay, fair enough. I'm, I'm two of the masked singers. If you, if you get on it, keep the mask and rob a bank. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> hey, no, um, no, no they, I think, um, no, they didn't get to me. They wanted somebody, they did consider me, but they wanted, <laughs> it came back that um, they wanted somebody who was a little bit more technical than me, so basically somebody that could dance. So, um, well, I was going to say, got, yeah. Well, Tudor's won it. David Roden won it. Yep. Um, yeah, like, they're, yeah, they're, they're a pretty good bunch of dancers, what they've got in there. I don't know how well, good Cameron Daddo is. But, well, Denny, um, Denny Hines is a, you know, I mean, that's that's what she does for a living. Uh, who's the other one? Rob Mills is a song and dance man. They're, they're, oh, oh, Mills will be good. Mills will be real good. Yeah. I, I did a gig with him for Olivia Newton John. Um, cancer thing when he was doing Greece, and he was showing me how to do the hand jive. And my God, that thing it was so difficult. And he was doing it, 
say, oh, I think he'll go, he'll go great guns. What did he say? You? Uh, you know, they're going to do the hand jive at the prom. Mate, I don't care if he did the hands off at the prom. I just hope he washed them afterwards. <laughs> well, he... <laughs> Sanitise. Sanitise. He got Paris Hilton to wash them afterwards. Oh, now, don't be perpetuating that story again. Thank you. Oh, he told me all about it. Did he? Yeah, John Stephenson asked him, and we, I was in the car, and he asked <laughs> him all about it. John Stephenson, who'd spent a lot of time in LA, said, So, Millsy, was it a one-night beatdown or what? <laughs> a one-night beatdown or what? And Millsy couldn't remember whether it was a one-night beatdown or a two-night beatdown, but um, I just thought that was hilarious. Bill Milsey was the one night beat down. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Now, now just as a, as a where are they now thing, uh, Milsey's mm. obviously doing Dancing with the Stars. John Stefferson, yes. I saw the other night uh, in a repeat of SAS. He's in the current SAS thing that's yeah. on, uh, the Australian version of that. And Paris Hilton has a massively successful cooking show on American television. Good for Paris. There you go. And you're, <laughs> and you're doing this podcast with me and Finey. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, At least I don't have to do the dishes afterwards, like Paris. <laughs> yes, there you go. I'm sure she's got people who do that. I reckon she might. I reckon she might. Now, I want to. You know what she is? She's an heiress. Is she? And as I say to mine, yeah, she's an heiress. That's the claim to fame. She's an heiress. That, the but Hilton I reckon, fortune. But my daughter's an heiress. You know, your son's an heir. It's yep. no big deal being an heiress or an heir. Everybody is. Yeah, exactly. For that. Mind you, I think she's a multi-million dollar heiress, whereas, you know, your daughter might be a thousand heiress. Well, maybe. You might have a point there. Mm. Some people are heirs of a throne. My kids would be like the heirs of a phone. Fair enough. enough. Uh, Now, I want to finish up. Well, you mentioned earlier, Fanny, the, the... in the end, terrible way that the Melbourne Storm went out of the um, oh, NRL. Well, I want to talk about it. I hated it. I hated it. Well, I watched I the first. I watched so the many first. Fumbles. Yeah, I watched the first oh. half while I was still on air in Geelong, and then the second half I had to listen to ABC Radio on the app to hear the second half, and they just never got going. My Jen should have should have caught that pass for the try. It would have been level, and they would have yeah. been on their way. And after that, they just, they just couldn't get going. I mean, Jennings dropped a sitter, mm. and you know, and then to hear those freaking commentators clearly, except for except for the main commentator, I like him, boss. The rest of them just hate Melbourne Storm. Oh, One you, of them said after eight minutes, we've had we, we've started well. What do you mean we? <laughs> <laughs> well, that what are probably you talking about? that probably was Brandy Alexander, I would assume, who it was. who did and, used to play for Penrith. <laughs> And the sideline commentator, when he announced that Welsh was out for the game with that concussion, I've never heard anybody so happy announcing a serious injury. He's out for the game. He's not coming back on. <laughs> oh, oh, lovely. <coughs> that, I, I, I like Andrew Voss as a commentator, except when he's calling Melbourne Storm, because I think he too is a cheer squad for the anti-Melbourne Storm front. Oh, no. I, I reckon he's full of praise for Melbourne. He offered, you know, this this team is brilliant team, but when they're not going well, he 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 starts pointing things out. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, Munster not... and his finals record. Yeah. Well, is it fair? Yes, only scored one try in seventeen runs. Whatever, you know. I mean, look, they all hate us. That's the beauty. Of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. 
That's true. Well, no Melbourne Storm at South Sydney and Penrith in the uh, in the grand final this Sunday night. Would you be watching that, Brian? Oh, I'll probably have a look at it. Yeah, I'll certainly be keen to see how the entertainment goes. Yeah, I haven't seen and who they've got. No, they always do it better than us. Well, they always do Australian uh, rock. Yeah, well, they've had Chisel, they've had... Uh, they've they've had, had Machine Gun Felicio. Yeah, they did they too. Had, yeah. And they, they had, had Melissa Kurtz. <laughs> yeah, Melissa Kurtz with her sexy as the word. Yeah. And Billy Idol and his microphone didn't work. That's right. They came out and did nothing. That's right. That's right. The hoodoos yeah, have done it. Great. I'm pretty sure the hoodoo gurus have yeah, done it. Yeah, hoodoos have done it. Yeah, yeah, the hoodoos have done it. That, that'd be great. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I haven't read I haven't read who's doing this one. I haven't seen anything no, about it. I haven't it. either. Uh, no. uh, all right, so that's uh, that's the that. Now, I wanted to also mention uh, the passing of, uh, of John Elliott. I'm sure I uh, know, Brian, that you had dealings with him at some stage. I played cricket for him. Um, Russell Morris rang me and said, hey, do you play cricket? I said, oh, I'm in the backyard. Anyway, we went up and um, played for the, I think it was called the 500 Club. Yes, they have yeah. 500,000 or something to be in it. And, oh, the glassware was all gold trim, red shirts made up. We were raising money for kids to learn to play cricket. Alan Stockdale, that's then treasurer, flew into the game on a helicopter it was incredibly opulent. It was a great day. I made minus seven the, with the bat. <laughs> Is that the one that Russell Morris told us on the podcast that there was yeah. a Victorian cricketer who tried to hurt him? Yeah, and he didn't have his boxing. That's right. And he bowled yeah. him really quick at him. Leon Weigard was commentating the whole thing and then after my batting it, I thought I'd help Leon with the, uh, with the, um, with the, with the commentating. And I think that um, – John Elliott actually blamed me for the team's loss when well, he's probably right. right. Fair, enough. Fair enough. Did you have anything to do with him, Fanny? No, no, nothing whatsoever. I mean, you know, exactly. I, didn't, I didn't like him. He, he was the last person to use the repugnant term ABO on Australian TV and he refused to apologise for it. When did, what show did he do that on? Oh, he was just on a, on, a, on a footy panel, you know, when Carlton president, and he referred to uh, a couple of players by that term, and then oh, just okay. wouldn't back down from it. And he used it quite a few times when he was doing getaway, and he was up the outback, up near Alice. Here we are in Alice Springs, and he just said it all the time then. Oh, okay. yeah, no, I but I'll, I'll say this about him. He was, as rumours circulated in Melbourne, one of the most notorious pants men this city has ever seen. All right. <laughs> like the Wellington boot. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, when the doggies hosted uh, games at, uh, when we run our home games at uh, Optus Oval at Princess Park, we played Carlton yeah. and it was our home game when we were in the John Elliott room. Um, hosting the president's lunch, and I was emceeing back in those days. Peter Gordon was the president, and uh, you obviously had to welcome in uh, the opposition, uh, you know, uh, entourage that were there. And and John Elliott wasn't there when I started speaking. He walked in while I was speaking and sat down. And I I did the I was doing the thank yous and uh, the mentioning the sponsors. And he walked in and sat down. And I went, oh, uh, and you know, make welcome the president of the uh, Carlton Footy Club, but. John Elliott, and as I was kind of looking down at my notes and then looking back up again and, and, and 
saying the words on John, I just want to remind you this is a non-smoking room. He was lighting a cigarette up and getting the waitress to give him his ashtray so as he could sit in the at the president's yeah. table and smoke. He was just – he made up his own rules. He said it was yeah, – uh, yeah. he said, that's John Elliott room. Uh, and it was the John Elliott room at that stage. It's not now. But he got kicked out of a Brisbane game for doing the same thing. They yeah. evicted him. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he just refused to put his cigarette out. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. God, it, God bless him. God bless him. Law unto himself. He, he broke the rules, but he did have a crack. He set Carlton back 50 years. We're halfway through it, so 25 years. <laughs> oh, he helped them get a few flags too. Yeah. Well, but he said that that he salary cap rolling and it was his. Yeah, um, that the club never recovered from it. No. I mean, it was it was blatant, arrogant, ridiculous, and you know, expensive. And um, you yeah. say, I just want to say still... something that a celebrity cricket game. You know, yeah. I, so there was this game organised by Grant Hanson, um, uh, Indigenous All Star team, which was great. Also included Wayne Carey, and um, and I was skippering the the opposition. A lot of footballers. Wilbur Wild was in the team. Told me he was an opening bowler. Yeah, well, he will. First over, yeah. he got first over. He got hit for six fours by Nathan Lovett Murray. <laughs> and in the over, I went up to him and I said, "Opening bowler." Um, uh, well, we're not talking ten pin, are we? He goes, "No cricket." He goes, "I admit though." Probably, <laughs> and he tried to work it out. How many years ago was I 14? <laughs> um, we played it on the hottest day, one of the hottest days ever in Melbourne. We the Sunshine Big Sports Ground there, beautiful ground. Skinner Reserve, um, yep. 47 degrees it was. Oh, my God. Um, Phil Cracker, we had to get medical help. He had sort of a heart episode. Yeah. Um, here, here are my two great memories from the game. You know, when you when you see a great footballer, you know that they're going to be good at all sports, yeah. don't you? Yep. Yeah, generally, yeah. All of them came up to me before the game and said, finally, I'm absolutely no good at cricket. He battered like my, like, like my sister who'd never played cricket. It was, it was like he, he, yeah, he really looked hopeless. I gave him a bowl. After two balls, we all agreed he couldn't finish the over. He's the most uncoordinated cricketer I've ever seen, and he was such a beautiful footballer. Who's this? Paul Williams. Remember Colin yeah, Williams? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Could you imagine him being uncoordinated cricket? He was. No, wow, no, not at all. I would have thought he would have been all right, Paul Williams. He was coaching at the Doggies for a little while too. But the real highlight was because you batted for four overs per pair and you lost five runs per wicket. And the Indigenous All-Stars made quite a few runs, and I opened the batting with Simon Madden. He came out holding a parasol, an umbrella that threw it into the sun. Yes. And Wayne Carey opened the bowling and I was facing him. The first ball, I straight drove him for four. And he was taking it half seriously. But after I did that, I knew exactly what he'd do. And I ran to him the next ball because I knew he'd find a bouncer for six. After four overs, Simon and I put on 51. And Simon, and I still, whenever I see somebody, he says, that 51 partnership, never forget I took, I made one, he made one run. Yep, yes. <laughs> Had a feeling that would be his contribution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I got Kerry, he, he only bowled two overs and he went two overs for 38 or 40. Mm. It was all I think. It was beautiful. <laughs> he had a bit of a stook out. It was bloody hot. I, it was unbelievably hot. And after being carted, 
And that's one oval where there's no shade whatsoever. There's no, there's nothing. It's you're out in the middle of. You feel like you're in the middle of the Nullarbor in the middle of that oh, ground. It was unbelievable. Yeah, we, we had, in our team, we we were sort of um, helped because we had two members of the Victorian women's cricket team, and they were fairly young and lively. Danny Delroy Delray bravely kept but collapsed because you know he's wearing gloves and his cabs all up. Yeah. he couldn't keep going. It was incredibly hot. It was just, you know, and the Indigenous blokes thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Watching you blokes, I'm sure they did. Uh, oh, the- Chrissy, Chrissy Johnson and and, and um, uh, Arnett, whatever. He goes, you put us on in the night, are you? The other, uh, the other, the other uh, uh, passing I wanted to uh, note was uh, Alan Lancaster from Status Quo, um, who uh, I think was seventy-two and passed away on the weekend. He'd been ill for for some time. So uh, that, as I've I've mentioned on many occasions, Status Quo were on the bill with Slade at the very first big concert I ever went to up in Brisbane, and um, I love Status Quo. they weren't. They weren't fancy. They weren't anything. They just uh, did that little kind of status quo boogie, and uh, obviously made a fortune out of doing it. So sad to yeah, see. I saw them. I saw them at um, the Mind Music Bowl, and you know, yeah, they, they, their music's really great. But when you, well, when you were fourteen, yep. and you're learning to play guitar and you're playing in a band, because <laughs> they're arranged, they're not. It's a good sort of starting point for a band to play status quo songs or angel songs. Yep. Uh, they're a bit potatoes, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And, um, but they've got a few little twists and some nice melodies and harmonies and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's sad to see uh, Alan Lancaster move along. I think there's only one uh, one member of the band still alive. I think Francis Rossi's the only one who's still alive. Um, I think the other three have, have passed away. So that is that is sad. Now, did they make it into the Rolling Stone Top 500? Well, I've only looked at the Top 50 and there's no status quo songs in there, but that's not a great surprise. The Rolling no. Stone magazine, Top 500 songs of all time. Now, finally brought this to our attention last week and uh, – what we've done is uh, we've we've all had a look at the top fifty, and we're going to come up today with the ones that we don't like in that top fifty, the the, the three that we don't like, and on the back of studying the chart more, uh, much more than you or I have, Brian. Finally, come up with his top ten of, wow. of all time. Now, the premise finally is not necessarily the top ten songs that you love um, a million percent. It's got a, another little factor to it, hasn't it? Yeah, well, um, I think we're looking for. What we recognise as greatness. Now, I love music, but and I'll go first this week. But you guys are genuinely qualified. I mean, Kevin, you've you've had a lifetime as one of the top DJs in Australia, so you've played a lot of this music, and you, you know, you'll know what works and what is a great song. And Brian's a muser. In fact, I put so much work into this top ten, and I'm serious. Um, I ended up. Checking an Australian top 500. Not only was I wrapped to see an Uncanny X Men song there. All right. That song, when I listened to it, it what's it called? 50 Years? Yep. Yeah. I immediately recognised the song, and I was sure that your band had covered it. And I was delighted to see not only was that not true, you wrote it. Yes, I did. That is a lovely song. Yeah, it deserves a better, somebody better to sing it than me, but um, I might be to sing it. But. I mean, the film was. The film clip was a, a bit sort of, you know, um, let's get uh, Brian more with them. 
exciting. Um, because, um, this outback scene and you were standing yeah. in the stream just where everybody else was up to the ankles, but you were drowning in it. No, no, that's not true. <laughs> but there are a lot, there are a lot of sort of, um, profile shots and wistful shots as you're looking into the distance. Um, well, we knew we couldn't jump around like mad things for that one because yeah. the scene of that clip was man dwarfed by nature. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it seemed to be, but well, look, I know, I know only too well it was shot probably, you know, Channel 10 Nunawadding or something. But, <laughs> um, where, where did they take you for that? Uh, we filmed it up at the Gold Coast. Oh, really? Um, oh. And, and look, we used to pretty much make our clips ourselves. We'd hire a cameraman and we'd say this is what we want to do. And because we could sort of jump around with that one, we sort of went, well, let's surround ourselves in places where people would like to go, like they do in a cocad. You see people having fun on the beach or in the snow or something like that. So when in doubt, you do what Coca-Cola does. So that's why we're on the beach and we're near a waterfall and all these really cool places where you sort of go, wow, I wouldn't mind being there. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like that. All you needed was a shrimp on a barbie and you could have been home. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> but, but, but the song itself, is, it's a really nice song. Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. It is and nice. I'm doing the math. And soon you'll be able to sing it and answer the question. <laughs> yes. Yes. Was it 84, Brian? Right. 85. 85. There you go. 85. Good time. So Thank we're, you. We're nearly 30 years into it. Now, your top 10 finding, is that your top 10 all best, or did you take it from the top 50? No, no, it's my top 10. Okay, yeah. so some of these songs might not be in the top where they rank these songs. Let's right. just say um, somebody's radar. Is, I, I, I make, I'll make no apologies when I read it out, but uh, their top 500. It was a bit strange to me. I think it's been skewed a bit. I think it's been nobbled. There's a fine cotton thing going on with this top ten. Let me read the top ten from the Rolling Stone from this 2021 thing. Number one is Respect by Aretha Franklin. Number two is Fight the Power, Public Enemy. Number three, A Change is Going to Come by Sam Cooke. Four is Like a Rolling Stone, Bob Dylan. Five, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Nirvana. Six, What's Going On, Marvin Gaye. Seven, Strawberry Fields, Forever the Beatles. Eight, Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott. Nine, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. And ten is Hey Yup by Outkast. So that's the top ten in the Rolling Stone magazine's 2021 top 500 songs of all time. It is so, it is so different from the last one they did in 2004, It's Not Funny. But, Finey, yep. take us through what you've come up with for your top ten. All right. Now, doing a top ten, and you'll find out in the next two weeks, is like being on a sinking ship with people wanting to get on the lifeboat and you've got to choose ten and look in the face of people that are going to drown. <laughs> yeah. Because I have had other songs in the top ten. So I'm actually going to start with my... 20 to 11, I'm going to go through it very quickly in no particular order, but all of these songs at some point over the last week were in my top 10, but oh, didn't right. make it in the end. Yep. All right. They are Folsom Prison Blues by yeah. Tony Catch, Something by The Beatles, yeah. Heart of Glass by Blondie, yeah. Son of a Preacher Man by Dusty Springfield, uh, yeah. okay. Hit the Road Jack by Ray Charles, yeah. Love will tear us apart. Joy division. 
Black Betty by Ranzan. Oh, no. But I won't go into it. Uh, Redemption Song by Bob Marley and the Wailers. Yep. False in Prison. Oh, no, sorry, I've got that. Um, Smack My Dicks Up by The Prodigy. And and Sweet Caroline. Now, Sweet Caroline should have made the top ten because I've got two things about songs and music. Now, people like singing and people love dancing. And I don't think any song has been sung by more crowds more easily than Floyd Caroline. But well, the Melbourne players sang it in the rooms, I think. It's such a song for the people to sing, and it's a pleasure to sing it. You know, it's fun. It's, it's easy. Have, I you, didn't make it. have you ever done Sweet Caroline on stage, Brian? Um, no, I've done it backstage, mate. <laughs> oh, look, oh goodness me! Get me out of that one, you yeah, uh, okay. hey, 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 right. All right. So these are songs that have uh, the the a that you like and b that have achieved greatness. Is that is that the criteria? I, I, I think so. And, and and there's a few things here. Now they've got. I believe they've got longevity. Yep. Because a lot of them uh, have aged on on now on their side. Yep. Um. Some of them were trailblazers. You don't have to to break new ground musically to create a new genre or whatever. But if you do and you survive as a song, that's a good thing, I think. So yep. I started with number 10. And very interesting, a lot of these artists I don't particularly like. Okay, right. yep. When I say don't particularly like, I'm not an Elton John fan, but I I like, I love Rocket Man because it's um, – it's, it's, it's a song, I think a lot of pop songs, as Brian pointed out last week, do have a repetitive melody. That's yep. the nature of pop music, whatever. This song doesn't. And it is a, it, I think the lyrics are moving, surprisingly sung by Elton John. And actually, for a period of my life, it, it talked about my life. So a bit personal too. But yeah, I think okay. it's a beautiful song. That's your number 10? Yeah, and that was at 149 in the Rolling Stone chart. I was going to say the only the only the only Elton John song in the top 50 is Tiny Dancer in the Rolling Stone list. Yeah, yeah, which I don't like at all. Oh, I so love I Tiny Dancer. Tony Danza. I like that. Yeah, Tony Danza was I like Tony like. Danza and <laughs> Tony Danza. Yeah. I reckon they're both good. Me too. I'm with you. Now, Number right. nine. Yep. Rolling Stones, Paint It Black. Yeah. Now, I, I personally love the sort of foreign influences in it. Sounds a bit Middle Eastern at points. But it's also, remember, 1966, I think it set Rolling Stones apart from the Beatles and, yeah. and made, them, made them powerful and relevant. And, you know, a lot of bands are just, you know, sort of following in the wake. But we know that Rolling Stones became a mega, mega group, and I think this set their stall a bit. So I, I, I think it's a good song. What do you okay. think of it? Yeah, I love, oh, I love Painted Black. Love Painted Black. Not my, I love it, but it's probably not my favourite Rolling Stone. Yeah, I, that's probably what I'd say too, to be honest. And, and, and the sitar that they've got in it is probably them doing what the Beatles had already done with Norwegian Wood with the sitar, because they did copy. Well, they were accused of that. Yeah. But, you know, it's still, it's a great song. And it's a really good lyric, you know. It's pretty, 
Yeah, it's a pretty out there lyric, so yeah, okay. And I reckon it's, I mean, uh, in terms of standing the test of time, it still sounds as good bouncing out of the radio now as it did in the yeah, early that's days. Yeah, a lot of these songs don't stick around at the beginning. They really bounce out at you, and I love that new song. Yep, yep. Yeah. Now, yep. now yep. I, I, I came to it very late and left it a while ago, but for the time I was there, I loved I love dancing. I love the dance, you know, the scene. Uh, uh, to go to a dance club or even better, to a big, uh, not a rave, I mean, that's, that's sort of stupid, but a big event. I had great times at Big Day Out in the boiler room, etc. Yep. And there's something magical about a thousand people feeling the same, you know, being, going on an experience of dance music, electronic music, etc. Um, with people. It's yeah. never been made illegal. Yeah. I can't believe it. A drug that made people love each other. Yeah. Um, and Daft Punk started in 1995 with a, a track called Defunct, Daft Punk. You might know it from a famous film clip. The film clip's brilliant. It's, it's a man with a dog's head limping around. Oh, yeah, no, I've seen it, yep. Uh, oh, yeah. I know Defunct. Now, this yeah. was electronic music. They became a bit more commercial after this, even though they never took their helmets off with things like um, Around the World and um, Get Lucky, very commercial. But this this actually was voted um, by NME, which is an authority of music in England, yep. I'm sure you know it, Kevin, yep. as the eighth best track of the 90s. Now, I think it's a great track. So just because if you played it, and it still would be played, if it's played by a DJ at a huge event now, it's still everybody will move to it and dance to it and love it. So, Star Funk. Yep. Right. Number seven, Eleanor Rigby. Yeah. On Beatles. Star Funk didn't appear in the 500, of course. Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles, and I put in parenthesis by the Zeus. Yeah. It was a different version. It's pretty a brilliant for Zeus version. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, was, was, that in the, was that in the Rolling Stones top 500? 243. Right. <sighs> the Beatles, yeah. of course. Right. I've always loved that song. I love the fact that there's nothing but string instrument in it and yep. singing. Yep. No other instrument. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, I, I, even though I didn't live through that period, I certainly like it more than the sort of poppy songs, you know, that didn't really have much hard days night over the you know. Yeah. They got more serious here and then they continued on that. And it could have been in my life or a day in my life, a day in the life, because I think they're beautiful songs and yep. more serious. So yep. that's yeah. number seven. Yep. Number six, I've got a song that was at number 74 in the 500, but not five. It was putting at number 74 with its original artist. Now, Leonard Cohen wrote a great song, but he does not sing Hallelujah as well as Jeff Buckley. And. And I, I, I just think it's haunting and beautiful and just like Star Funk could be enjoyed with a thousand people, I think Hallelujah could be enjoyed on your own, probably. Did you consider the um, version by, uh, what's her name? Oh, Katie Lang. Katie Lang, yeah. No. Okay. I like Jeff no. Buckley's version Ruth too, I agree. Wainwright or various others. Yep. I, I love Jeff Buckley's version. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's number six. Number five, Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Um, 
I like that it goes freeform in the middle, gives Jimmy Page and John Bottom a chance to express themselves. <coughs> um, there's so many choices for Led Zeppelin, for, um, for Black Sabbath, for Deep Purple. I had to sort of pick one. Yeah. Yeah. What, num- what numbers hold a lot of love? What numbers hold a lot of love in the Rolling Stone thing? One hundred and twenty-eight. Yeah, because I noticed the Led Zeppelin do not have a song in the top fifty, which staggered me. Yeah, yeah, no, they couldn't because they had that four songs by Outcast, and, yes. and they're not terrible yeah. Outcast. Oh. I mean, this, this, I like Miss Jackson as a song, but you know, I'm not, I'm not doing my top fifty with them. No, yeah. Number four is a song that did not appear at all in the chart. And I'll tell you, this is where I don't like the charts. I guarantee you, if it was sung by a woman of colour, it would have been in the charts. Guarantee. Now, this is not an artist I'm interested in particularly, but it's a song I think that is special and important and it's beautiful and it's called Beautiful by Christine Aguilera. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and it says somebody saying, probably not her, but somebody saying, I am beautiful. Looking in the mirror, no matter what they say, I am beautiful. And when you've got kids and uh, through life, that song is a beautiful message. Yep. Yeah. Because everybody's beautiful. Yep. I like that song. Yep. Did you put everybody's beautiful? (laughs) You know what's that really nice? Beautiful people by Marilyn Manson, but I think it's real at your track, but and I thought of Marilyn Manson, I thought, fuck it. Fair enough. Um, now the top three. Yep. In the bronze medal position, ranking oh, 151 uh. in the chart of Rolling Stone, is Stand By Me by Ben E. King. Not to be confused with Ben King of the Gold Coast, of course. Yes. Um, I love Stand By Me. I always have. Yeah. Maybe, maybe because the movie influenced me. But that song, I think, see, that's the song I think that starts so quickly and Definitively, it sets its store with beautiful singing and beautiful melody very early. Yeah, great it's a good song. Oh, it's a great song. I I think it, 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 Melbourne Victory use it as uh, their pre-game song? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, if they, do, if they do, they're not losing up to it. I'd like. Dick, oh, um, the, Dick, the Dixie Chicks do a great version of it. Okay. Yeah, I, I think if you can sing, it's a great song to sing. To sing yeah. Did you consider um, the John Lennon version or not? No, look, I tried to be faithful to the original proprietors of these things. Like, yeah. um, like Black Betty is Ram Jams. I like Spider Bait, but they didn't do enough different. The reason, by the way, I had Black Betty in there. I think it's brilliant. They take a, a Negro song from 1915 or something yeah. and turn it into a rock song. I thought it was good. Anyhow. And number two is the only one that the charts like that Rolling Stone because it's number five. So my number two is Smells Like Teen Spirit, which has always been a it's such a it's such a rich song. It's got that heavy singing, but then it takes breaks with um, instrumentals, slows it down, and then there's screeching guitars, and it all works. It all comes together. Yep, I think. Um, typically, of course, Cobain hated it because everybody in the world loved it. But <laughs> yeah. he, can, he, can, he can take that to, up to his undertaker. Yeah. Um, that was at number five in their chart. Yep. And my number one track is 227 in the 
Rolling Stone top 500. Uh-huh. And I just think it hit all the right notes of being important, powerful, a genuine rock and roll song by a great band, The Fortunate Son by Freedom. Oh, wow. Oh, good song. Yeah, really yeah. good song. You know, it, it just tells, it points a finger at something that, it's a really interesting take on the Vietnam War. Yeah, because, it is. You know, there was so much to protest about, but this really, I think, is a great thing to put in the song, and that is there are people getting away with not being part of this draft and not having, you know, been in the pool of people just wrenched out of their lives and sent to Vietnam because of who they are, and that's not fair. And they were thinking about that, which is a very specific protest, and they, I just love it. I was thinking, so, I think that is, that, uh, you know, say we want about America, but they, they probably topped the world in rock and roll, ahead of, just ahead of Britain. Yeah. And, and this is them doing this. This should be on their postcard of rock and roll. We do rock and roll. This is what it sounds like. Yeah. That's a really good list, Funny. It's a really good yeah, list. Like it. It's either good or bad, or but I'll tell you what it isn't. It's not nervously looking over my shoulder <laughs> and saying I've got to put in more artists of colour because it, we're woke now and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm recognising, you know, a, you know, one, Christine Aguilera, and, you know, and she couldn't get a look in at the other joint. I mean, you know what other song I'd like to put in at 21? It's what? a song that actually has been counter, it's almost been dismissed as inappropriate. Play that funky music by Wild Cherry. Oh, Wild Cherry, yeah. <laughs> because the band's all white. Now, yep. at the time, it was considered a great, and it's a great funky song. But now it's considered a tasteless impersonation of black people. Yeah, which is just ridiculous. It's just, you can't you can't retrospectively judge people on, on that sort of stuff. And some of the stuff in that Rolling Stone top 50, I'm sorry, I've got no idea what it's doing there. Yeah, well, how about this? How about those for a couple of things that are in the, the top 50, which, I mean, I'm not saying they're terrible songs, etc. but um, there's, I don't even know those songs particularly. Nothing but a G thing by Dr. Drake. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, I'm not saying it's not part of a music genre, but that is not the 30th best song of all, or the 29th best song of all time. I wouldn't have thought so. Victoria's B.I.G. Juicy again. Oh, that's crap. You know, again, (laughs) it's it's of a type, but. Really? Is it is it the thirty is, is it that important to be in the top thirty five? It's an overweight it's an overweight rapper talking about the fact that he now gets girls and he's got money and he's these world is juicy. It's like it, the, the, the lyric of it is sorry, the lyric of it is quite offensive if you want to get woke. Yeah, and, and I'm gonna say I know that little Richard was an important and great early pioneer rock and roll. But Dirty Fruity, to me, is not a 35th best song of all time. No. It's a flavour. Um, you know, um, <laughs> it's a flavour. It's not, to me, it's not that, <laughs> that important a song. I just, 
Um, Fruity, fruity, I want a Rudy. <laughs> uh, I don't mind it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, that's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah. Fruity, fruity. I want a Rudy. Fruity, fruity. Yeah. You know, what, what sort of song is that, really? Yeah. And, and it's just, girl, you want to look it. It just goes on right through the top 100 and 200, et cetera, et cetera, where there's just, I'm, I'm just looking at it. it it's just, I've, I've got no problem, for example, with um, plenty of content, decent content for Motown. Yep. But it, it blitzes the whole thing. It dwarfs it. All right, there's no star music. There's two country and western songs. There's no glam rock. There's no um, uh, swamp rock. There's no, you know, there's so many genres I just said piss off to. Yeah. And, and every fourth, you know, there's about there's 50 Motown songs. Now I like Motown, but you don't have to do the whole back catalog. No, there, there wouldn't no. be 50. There's not 50 Motown songs that are that important to be perfectly honest. There's probably a dozen, not 50. Um, uh, yeah, ridiculous. All right, well, that's your top. Did you want to do you want to have a crack at it next week, Brian, or do you want me to go? Oh, you can go next week, Kev. Or I'll go. I don't care. Oh, you can go next week. Oh, I'm easy, Brian. You know? I know, Kev. I know. You <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> um, all right, well, I'll, I'll I'll do my um, my list next week. But that uh, that's a that's a bloody good list, Finey. That's a really good list. That's a that's a playlist that you would quite happily put on and uh, and in the car on your drive for forty minutes or so. Listen to that. Yep. yep. So I'll just I'll say this, guys. It is a, if you do immerse yourself in it, get, just have a go at it. You know, if you've got some time to kill, it's a really fun. Fun experience to try and go back and, you know, in your mind, you know, yeah, I love that song, I love that song, yep. and then hear them again, and then play them to your partner and get her to tell you that they're shit. It's just great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that happens a lot in this house, don't we? But that, but, uh, and, and I'm looking forward to it because given that last night I spent listening to stuff like Gasolina, Fight the Power, Get Your Freak On, Crazy in Love and Runaway, uh, anything will be a, a great break from some of the crap that was in the top 50 of the Rolling Stone. Hey, we've got yeah, to go. Really, yeah, God, sorry, Brian. I just really like some of the words in Juicy by the Notorious oh, Big. God. I've got a pool, I've got a pool, I've got a high school, have sardines for dinner. Sardines for dinner. What the, what the <laughs> hell? Anyway. Yes. Uh, it, it was just, that was one of the ones I, I put a big red line through and thought, why did, why, A, why did this song get made? And B, what the hell is it doing in a top 50 list of anything? Unbelievable. Yes. Uh, all right, well, I'll go, uh, go and do my homework. One last comment from me. Yes. One last comment. I, I really look long and hard for an Australian song that was worthy. Mm-hmm. We've got great music. Honestly, we do, but I don't think we've got a great our, our, our top ten songs, which could be argued here, there, whatever. I think we've got depth, but we don't have an A grade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll uh, I'll investigate that my good self during the week. Thank you, boys. Have a good week, and we'll uh, we'll talk again next week on Rock and Roll. Uh, to stay healthy, stay well, and stay out of jail. Okay. See you boys, take care See ya You've just experienced Rock and Roll Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook